Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 13 this evening. And as you're turning there, I know a, a gentleman who's middle-aged, probably in his 50s, and within the last year, he experienced the death of both his father and his mother. His father died first, and shortly thereafter, his, his mother died. And he has two siblings, so there's three children all together, and one of the things that happened after the death of the mother was they realized that there was no will in place. And so now all of the possessions that belonged to mom and dad were now needing to be divided up between the siblings. And one of the siblings happened to get greedy. And they started wanting more than what was rightfully theirs. And so over the last year, it has caused a lot of hardship and a lot of difficulty between these relationships, between siblings. And sadly enough, this is probably not new to us. This is probably not the first time we've heard a story like this. Maybe you all have heard similar stories, or perhaps you have been one of those siblings. And it's been issues between you and your brothers or sisters because of possessions. And while it's sad that those things happen in our world, that's the reality. But there's nothing new. Because when we look here at, at Luke chapter 12, Jesus is approached by someone in a crowd who's asking a very similar question. Look with me at verse 13, and we'll read down through verse 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care, and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Let's pray. God, we ask that as we study this parable tonight, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, perhaps we've experienced these sorts of relationships which get broken or there's, there's stress put on the relationship because of possessions that are being left to children. But someone here in the crowd is experiencing that. And someone in the crowd is, perhaps, their sibling is trying to take everything and leave them nothing. And so they come to Jesus, 
and thinking, well, Jesus, you know, he'll, he'll set things right. He'll tell my brother how to really, you know, share and, and how to be responsible and how to, how to be kind. But Jesus doesn't buy into it. So he comes to him and he says, teacher, will you tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me? And, and Jesus is, is, is an awesome teacher. He's an awesome disciple maker because he sees right through the, cir- the circumstances. Oftentimes, you know, maybe if we are in this situation and we are asked, hey, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. Perhaps our first response would be, well, yeah, you both should get 50-50. Let's split it evenly right down the middle. Let's be as fair as possible so everyone gets what's, what's owed to them. See, but Jesus is not at all concerned with making sure that everyone gets their fair share. Jesus sees right through the circumstances and gets to the heart of the situation. Now, he's not directly talking just to this individual who asked the question. He rather addresses this to the whole crowd. And he's now about to tell a parable about our hearts, exposing our hearts and the way that we treat stuff. But before he starts the parable, he says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And so from the beginning, before we even get into the parable, we know exactly what the parable is about. Jesus is exposing covetousness. Coveting is a sin. Thou shalt not covet is one of the Ten Commandments. It's the Tenth Commandment. So we know that coveting is wrong. But what exactly does it look like to covet? What exactly does it look like when it comes to our material possessions, does it mean to covet? And here's what Jesus is going to expose in this in this parable. So he warns us to be on guard against all covetousness because our life does not consist in the abundance of our things. We need to be reminded of this regularly. I have this verse underlined because this verse is one that my heart needs on a regular basis. Take care. Be on guard against all covetousness. Because my life doesn't consist in what I have, in my possessions. Church, we need to hear this. We need to be reminded of this. And Jesus knows that. So now let's look at this, look at this parable. And, and I've already read it. I won't read it again. But, but I have five observations based on this parable. The first observation is that abundant blessing is not wrong. Abundant blessing is not wrong. Look at verse 16. So Jesus told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. Nowhere in this parable does Jesus say anything that this is wrong. Nowhere does Jesus condemn this man for having a good harvest. He simply is stating that this man had a good harvest. The crops came in full this year. And it just so happens that he had so many crops that the barns that he already had we're not big enough to hold all that he had. And so I want us to see, this is not the main point of the parable at all, but it's not wrong to receive abundant blessing. This rich man obviously receives a good blessing, and perhaps maybe some of us have received a good blessing. Perhaps some of us are sitting in a place where maybe we have received an inheritance that has set us up well. 
it's not wrong to have plenty. It's not wrong to receive a gift such as that. But my second observation, also from verse 16, is that abundant blessings come from God. It's not wrong for us to receive a good blessing. And and in this parable, Jesus nowhere condemns the rich man for having a fruitful harvest, but at the same time, he doesn't say that it's this man's responsibility that his harvest was so plentiful. And if you know anything about growing plants or crops, you know that it's totally up to God. You and I can go outside and plant some seeds, and we can water them, and we can pick the weeds and everything, and we're still dependent on God for it to grow. We can't make that grow any better or any worse. We can do all the things we know to do, such as put fertilizer on it, make sure that you know, the weeds aren't eating it or, or choking it out. But the reality is that God is the one who gives the growth. And in the same verse where we read that the rich man's field produced a lot of crops, we can also understand that it's, it's God who allows the field to produce the crops. And so this man is not doing anything wrong by having an abundant blessing of crops, but it's also important to understand that it's God who gives that abundant blessing. And if you have been blessed with with possessions or with money or whatever it is, understand right now that it's God who gives that blessing. It's easy for us to think highly of ourselves, to think, man, I'm such a good worker, I'm such a good person, I had it coming to me. If you have abundantly, it's because God has given abundantly. All things come from the hand of God. But my third observation is that the human heart is naturally greedy. The human heart is naturally greedy. Look at the the bulk of the parable here in verse 17. So he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. He said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Did you notice how many times in those few verses the word I and my are used. He said, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, you notice that? This man received an abundant blessing of crops. And his natural instinct is to say it's mine. He wants to cling to it. He wants it to be all for himself. There's not one hint in this whole parable that makes us think that he's thinking, all right, well, if I build bigger barns, then I'll have lots of extra to give to people in need and I can be really helpful. Every indication in here says he's just wanting it all for himself. And we see that based on what he says at the end. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. 
eat, drink, and be merry. This is the natural inclination of the human heart. It's greed. It's I want this for myself. I want this to make myself feel secure, to make myself feel like I'm okay, I'm provided for. This last summer, uh, as, as we went to summer camp with our students, us guys were all staying in a room together. We started playing a game. And Chase is smiling because he knows exactly what game we played. And it's got a, a numerous different names, but, but most people call it the game of life. And I guess if I tell you, that means you're supposed to play, but I'll, I'll give you all a pass. So the whole point of the game is whenever somebody says the word mine, M-I-N-E, and you call them out on it, they have to do 10 push-ups, or however many you set. And so all throughout the week, you know, basically everyone's goal was to get everyone else to say mine so they could call them out on it. And it was kind of funny. There was a lot of different instances where we would get each other, and, and I even was able to get a few people. I got Garth without even trying. I just, we were leaving the room, and I said, well, I got my key. Garth says, yep, I got mine. Boom, push-ups. It was great. But one of the things that it made me realize as we played throughout the week, as my arms got more and more sore, was how many times do we claim things as our own? How quick are we when someone grabs our water bottle and say, no, that's mine? Or when someone grabs my pillow, hey, no, that's mine? Because our hearts naturally want to cling to things. We want our own possessions. It makes us feel safe and it makes us feel secure. And we see here in the parable that this is exactly what the rich man does when he receives a giant blessing from the Lord. His first inclination is to think, how can I keep all of this for myself to ensure that I myself am going to be provided for in the future? that I'm not going to have any lack, I'm not going to have any needs because I have done something to secure that for myself. And it's, it's really no different for us. Usually it's not barns and crops, but perhaps it's our savings account. Perhaps it's our 401k. Perhaps it's whatever idea that we have for retirement. And there's this temptation for all of us to just try and store up more and more and more and more so that the day will come when we can say, soul, you have ample goods laid up. You've worked hard all those years. Now it's time to kick back and relax and enjoy it. Our hearts, every single one of them, are inclined to that. Now I'm not at all saying or, or trying to convey that Saving for the future is, is foolish. But we have to be careful why we're saving. We have to examine our hearts to understand if it's just a, a matter of greed, trying to keep things to ourselves, or if we really are trying to be a blessing to others. But the natural, or the, the human heart is naturally greedy. My fourth observation is that life is a vapor. Life is a vapor. In verse 20 it says, But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. So while this is a parable, it's just a made-up story that Jesus tells. It's not a true story. The truth of life is very evident. 
this man seems to think that because of his abundant crop, because he tore down his barns and built bigger ones, and he's got all of his crops stored up in there, that he is set for life, except for the fact that his life is going to end that night. James teaches us that life is a vapor. It's like a mist that, that is there in one moment and then gone in the next. That's a good reminder for all of us. Because this last weekend, last Saturday, when uh, it was pouring down hard and it had been raining for days leading up to that, I'll be honest with you, I, I laid awake in bed partly because we had a crying baby, but also because I was a little worried that maybe we would take on some water in our basement. And I don't know if, if many of you know this, but Sam and I had our basement flood a couple years ago, back in 2015. And since then, we have put a lot of money into it. We've installed a sump pump to get the water out from underneath the house. And we've, we've put money into um, keeping the water away from the foundation on the outside. And then we, we, we waited until it rained real hard and real hard. We didn't get water. And so then we started putting money into finishing the basement so that we could have more livable space as our kids are getting older. And we just really just finished it. So now this huge rainstorm comes. And I'm laying awake at 3 in the morning as the rain is just pounding the, the, the roof. Just wondering, all this for nothing. I just threw all that money away. Because it's going to flood and we're going to have to rip all the drywall out. And it's going to be a, a total lost cause. And why am I thinking that? Because I'm thinking that all these things are mine. They're mine. And I'm thinking that I'm probably going to live a lot longer to be able to enjoy them. But the reality is we don't know how long we will have on this earth. We don't know how long God has given us to live here and to do work for his glory. And we're reminded that just like this man, perhaps our soul might be required of us tonight. Because life is a vapor. Life is short. My fifth observation is, who really owns my stuff? Who really owns your stuff? God said to him in verse 20, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? All his barns, all of his grains, all of his stuff that had him set for years to come. Whose is it now? It's not his. Whose who's stuff, or who, who really owns the, the possessions that we have? As you think about your house, maybe your vehicles, maybe your prized antiques, Maybe your sports memorabilia. Maybe your shoe collection. Whatever it is that you're into. Who really owns that stuff? Is it yours? Does it matter how much you have when your soul is required of you? God says, all these things that you have prepared, who's they going to be when you die? Gives you a little perspective, doesn't it? 
Verse 21, Jesus ends the parable by saying, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. He ends the parable by saying, So is the one, meaning fool, who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, if you looked in the bulletin, I've, I've got the next multiple verses included, and you'll see why here in just a minute. But this, this whole parable is getting to the heart of, of how we view possessions, how we view stuff. And our natural inclination is to want to cling to it. And I think the reason why is because we're so often tempted to live as if, this, as if this life is all we have. There's a, a, an album that recently came out a few months ago by uh, Beautiful Eulogy. And it's, it's an incredible album. I don't know if you all are into Christian hip-hop type stuff, but, but it is awesome. It is, it is an album that I worship to. And in the very first song, they talk about the fact that perhaps we've, we've lost our eyes for the unseen is the line that he says. And because of that, we cling to our own stuff. We cling to what we have. We cling to our material possessions. We cling to money. We cling to people. We cling to stuff. Because we've lost our eyes for the unseen. Because we don't see God at work sometimes visually, and we don't see Him, His presence in our life visually, and so we get so connected to the things that we actually do see. And we start to live as if that's all there is. And if that's all there is, then absolutely, it's a race to see who can get the most. But right after Jesus finishes this parable, exposing our hearts and the greed that's, that's found within, he teaches his disciples. Look with me at verse 22. So he said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will put on. So Jesus finishes the parable, talking about the greed of the heart, and immediately begins to teach his disciples. Because the question that I come away with from the parable is, how do I be rich toward God? Jesus said, the one who stores up treasure for himself here and now is a fool. But not the one who stores up or who is rich toward God. And so my question, how do I be rich towards God? Well, Jesus answers that and he tells his disciples. He says in verse 23, For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do a small thing such as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God, if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? 
And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink or be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom and these things will be added to you. You see what Jesus is doing here with his disciples? He just told a parable about how greedy our hearts naturally are. We want and want and want and want and we want it to be ours, ours, ours. Jesus said, if you want to be rich towards God, you need to trust in God's provision. Trust that God will provide for you. Trust that God has laid out all the days of your life and you are not going to die a day or a moment or an instant before he has decided you will. So what that means is he's going to provide for you. He's going to provide food. He's going to provide clothing. He's going to provide shelter. He says if he does it for the ravens and for the lilies in the field, how much more is he going to do it for you? But then also in verse 32, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Verse 33, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So Jesus tells a parable to expose the greediness of the human heart, but then he tells us how to be rich toward God. We're rich toward God as we trust in him to provide. And when we trust in him to provide, it frees us up to be generous with what we have and not cling to it. If we trust that God will provide for all the things that we need, then why do we cling to stuff? If God's going to provide, it frees us up to be generous, to sell our possessions and give to the needy. This is the ultimate anecdote to the greedy human heart. Trusting in God's provision so that we can be generous with what he's given to us. Church, I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know if you are, are thinking about possessions a lot or if you're having issues with, with clinging to things, but I, I regularly find myself thinking far too much about how much is in the bank account, about how much I've, I've poured into this house for it to be ruined. And church, we have got to be reminded to be on guard against all covetousness because our life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. Y'all, Jesus wants us to know that. And for us to neglect that and for us to acquire wealth and possessions here on earth just to serve ourselves, God calls that person a fool. 
Y'all do a study of, through the book of Proverbs about what it says about a fool. You do not want to be a fool. Y'all trust God to provide because he promises to do it. And when we are trusting God to provide, it'll free us up to open our hands of our possessions and be generous towards others. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for a good word, a strong word, a convicting word. God, it's so easy for us to cling to our possessions, to find safety in them, satisfaction in them. But God, we pray that you would help us to find our safety and satisfaction only in you. God, we know that the young lions suffer hunger and want, but the righteous lack no good thing. God, I pray that we would all be clinging to the promises of God, trusting that you will provide. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.